Today's life principle is bonus material. Um, so the next two uh, life principles are basically the ones that I thought we we couldn't do without. And so this one in particular is one of those I felt like we couldn't do without. Um, today's is God blesses us so that we might bless others. And um, on the surface, you go, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I can see that. And, you know, that seems like a very easy life principle to live out in our lives. But when you think about it, um, even when we do our time of thinking about the good things that have happened in our lives, oftentimes, oftentimes we define those blessings only as it affects us, only as it affects um, our immediate person, me. Um, and so this, if you, if you look at this particular life lesson, it puts a whole new spin on how we look at our blessings. Um, so if you think about all the many blessings, even some of the ones that you guys have shared today, if you look at that blessing as an opportunity to what? Bless others. Um, it really helps you redefine the good things that are happening in your life. Uh, in other words, if you celebrate a birthday, for instance, uh, we said, you know, we have birthday this week. That's a great thing, celebrating another year of life. When you think about that initially, it's all about what? It's all about me, right? It's my birthday. <laughs> I want to celebrate my birthday. I've earned it, right? When really, it has nothing to do with you. Your mother did that, right? You just kind of went along for the ride. <laughs> so really, on a birthday, who do you need to really celebrate? But do you often, do you call your mom and say, thank you for going through those hours of long birth, birthing me. This is just to be your celebration. <laughs> but we don't do that, do we? We think about, it's, it's my time. This is about me. And so it really places a little bit of a different swing, a spin, if you like, on these, this idea of celebrating our blessings. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 45. It kind of gives us a picture of the early church. And the book of Acts in general is about the setting up of the early church and all the different things that were a part of the early church. It talks about uh, how they interacted with one another. It ta talks about what they taught. Uh, one another. It talks about them singing and praying and interacting. And this particular uh, part of the scripture, Acts 2, 44 to 45, gives us a real, even such a short little section, gives us a real feel of how they treated each other and how they interacted. It says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. It goes on and talks about people who were selling their actual property and lands and houses. And they were giving the, the proceeds of those things to the group of Christians so that they could distribute the profits to, to those people who really had a, a need for, for, those, for that money and for those possessions. And so when we look at this, this is about as far away from our society and culture as we can get, isn't it? We don't really practice this anymore. But in the early church, they practiced this so much that they actually started calling them something different than Christians. You know what they called them? They called them the way. Oh, those are those people from the way. 
And the reason why they called them the way is because it was the way that they lived. It was so foreign. It was so different. Um, it was the, the attitude of them seeing all the good things in their life and not really seeing as that how, how that affected them, but they saw all the good things in their life and they saw how they could bless other people. That's a huge difference. And it was even noticeable back then, even, even to the point where they called them something completely different. It's such a different way of, of life and such a different way of looking at these blessings. Now, the th- the three questions I have for you, and I, you can uh, do these just where you're sitting. We don't have to go to the tables. But I wanted to know how you would complete, if you don't already know the answers to these three questions, how would you complete the following three statements? Number one, God saved me because blank. You can write in your uh, uh, notes there. You can add notes in your little uh your little app, or you can kind of put it in your mind. God saved me because blank. That's number one. Number two, you're fast. God, God's purpose for me is blank. Now you think that's a huge question. I'm not looking for like, you know, a thesis, a 30-page thesis on God's purpose for mankind. I'm looking for just a short statement that says God's purpose for me is blank. And number three, I am most like Jesus when I blank. Now, if we don't have answers for those questions, that's okay. That's okay. We're going to go through them all here in a second. But it really gives you an appreciation for where we need to be thinking when it comes to putting this life principle into, into our lives. This idea of why God saved us. God saved me. It's very simple. Because he, because he loves us. There's no deep theological you know, treatise that we have to read. Why does God love me? He loves you. You know, because he loves you. He loves you because he loves you. God saved you because he loved you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is nothing that you yourselves have done. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You can't do anything to impress God. So if your idea or if anything in your statement when you said, God loves me because I have done a lot of great things, <laughs> or God loves me because, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've earned it, you know, that's not the way it works. God, loved, uh, God saved you because he loved you. He loves you. He forgives you. Um, and when we acknowledge that in our own life, when we acknowledge who we are and, and that there's nothing that we can do to earn it, then God institutes, he begins this process of forgiveness. He begins this process of of mercy. And he gives us and grants us eternal life. He gives us these, these gifts, these immeasurable, really undefinable gifts. And there's no other reason than that he loves you. 
Many people seem to believe that God saves men or women, men and women, because of the person's good works or their service, and nothing could be further than the truth. God saves you because He loves you, and it's unique. There's no other religion that that teaches this, by the way. Uh, Eastern mysticism and meditation, it's all about what? It's all about how you do things. It's about achieving certain levels of enlightenment. Um, You're you're on a, a journey of discovery, and you use your time of meditation to uh, make sure that you better yourself. Why are you doing that? Well, it's good to better yourself, but you're doing that, what? So you will be in good relationship with the the all-knowing, right? Other, Other religions, they teach something completely different to this. It's all about how how I can increase my likability to the one. And Christianity is, is completely different. It's not all about that. It's about God looking down on his creation, you, and saying, you guys need to be saved so we can be in a, a loving relationship with one another. And that's completely different. So you may think that you have to do all these good works and service to impress God, but nothing could be further from the truth. No amount of uh, service can earn salvation. The Apostle Paul made this very clear when he wrote, For grace you've been saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's because he loves you that he saved you. It's important and critical for you to understand this point. Um, Because any good that we do... Uh, any any blessings that we pour out to other people, it's not to earn something. You, it's critical that you know that. So when you, you think of the blessings that have come into your life and you start to bless others because of those blessings, it's not because you're trying to earn God's favor. It's because what? It's because you love them the same way God loves you. Do you see the difference there? There's a big difference. If you don't get that difference, it's going to be really hard for you to put this life principle into your life. So it's critical. Any good that we do is in response to what God has done for us, his salvation, eternal life. It's never in order to earn or win or warrant some sort of salvation or gold badge or, uh, or anything like that. So let's go on to God's purpose. God's purpose for me is to, what did some of you put? Anybody have a thought on that one? Okay. Anybody else have anything? Not saying that's wrong. Okay, to worship. A worship guy would naturally say that. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, to love God, love people. You stole, you stole that from him. Okay, good. Okay. Good. God's purpose. There's there are many things of God's purpose, but for today, God's purpose is really an overarching thing: is to bring Him glory. We can do that by worship. You know, we can do that by loving others. Um, but to bring Him glory, your your overall purpose in life is to give Him glory. God saved you and me so that the that we would serve as examples to others 
of how he loves, the mercy he showed us, that we can be an example of that in human life. A lot of people think that God's purpose of saving you is to get to heaven. That's just, just the end result. That's not his overall purpose. His overall purpose for saving you was so that you could be an example to others. That you could be that example. Just like they did in the early church. They were the way, right? That's exactly his purpose for us. So I guess if that is his purpose, we have to kind of see how are we going at that? What are we doing? Um, when we have blessings in our own life, are we being an example of how that works to bless others? When we have difficulties in our life, are we being an example to how that works to the, to the people around us? When we allow God to work in us and through us to others, we become his love in action. That's why loving God and loving people is such a great combination. Because the same love that he loved us with, what? We love others with. And that becomes his love in action. And so we are that, um, that vessel that he uses, so to speak. We become his witnesses. We become uh, his hands. We become his feet. Uh, that's why it's important that we are reaching out and uh, feeding the hungry and helping the homeless and making sure that people around the world uh, know who he is, that we're spreading that message. We bring honor and glory to him by being that vessel, by being his hands and his feet. That's what it's all about. God's purpose for me is to bring him glory. And lastly, is I am most like Jesus, and this is probably the most critical today. I am the most like Jesus when I what? Anybody have anything they thought of or wrote down? Imitate him, okay. Surrender myself to him. Okay, anybody else? Those are both correct. But this morning, I am most like Jesus when I serve others. Because when he came to earth, what did he do? He served others. That's right. I'm not talking to you, Siri. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she, she sometimes mistakes my S's for, for her name. She's very vain. I am most like Jesus when I serve others. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Through his poverty you become rich. That sounds like service, doesn't it? Sounds like he's serving. The foremost characteristics of the life of Jesus Christ was and is serving. And we are most like him when we serve as well. And many seem to think that a, a person is most like Jesus when he preaches or when he teaches. Or maybe he, uh, we think that we're most like Jesus when, when miracles are happening, you know, or people are healed or... 
people are performing wonderful manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You go to churches now and there's all these wonderful, weird things going on. And they think, people ask, what is this? Well, we're like Jesus. Because we have all these wonderful, beautiful things happening in our church. But yet those things usually, most likely, are not accompanied by love and service. Matter of fact, there's even warnings in the Bible. Don't get carried away with this stuff. Start loving people. Start making a difference in people's lives. Start walking along in their suffering with them, helping them when they're down, praying for them. Let's, let's really start living out the gospel in people's lives and in our lives because when we are blessed, we can bless others. That's a critical part, and if you're missing it, then you're being distracted by something that isn't really real. Okay, You have to understand here that that's the crux of what Jesus did. He came to save. It wasn't about the people he healed, was it? It was about the people he loved. It wasn't about all the miracles. He didn't come. He didn't heal everybody, did he? No. But he saved everyone through the love that sent him to the cross. There's a critical difference there, and we need to understand that we need to look beyond those manifestations, beyond the motivation. The motivation was always love. Jesus preached, taught, healed, and he performed miracles in order to help others, but never to call attention to himself. It was all about the connection with other people. He poured out his very life so that others could be saved. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. It was not about him. God calls us to serve one another just as Jesus did. He didn't save you or call you to service so that you might be exalted, so that you could be praised, glorified, or put on a pedestal. He saved you so you could serve him and serve others. And when we do this, we honor him. We give him the honor and the respect that is due him. When we serve others, the most important thing you can do outside of accepting Jesus Christ as your savior is to give your life to him and allow him to lead you to serve and bless other people. We live in a culture, frankly, that is the most selfish culture that it's probably ever been in all of history. And I got to tell you, Christians are just as guilty of that selfishness. We somehow think that um, we're different, but people aren't calling us the way. If we were really different, people would really be standing up and saying, man, you're different. You don't post all those selfies that everybody else posts. You're not, you're not online and, and, and putting uh, positive messages online that, and, uh, and, and only thinking about other people with your, your messages and with your post. You're, you're actually doing something completely different than everybody else. Why is that? Our posts, frankly, are just like everybody else's, aren't they? They are. It's because we're just as guilty as self, this self-gratification, this, this 
uh, I have all these blessings. I want everybody to see me getting all these blessings. Instead, we should be saying, I have all these blessings. How can I begin to bless other people? How can I begin to bless other people through the things that God has given me? Do you see the difference there? It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And we need to really start to adjust how we see this particular life principle taking effect in our lives. Some mistakenly think that what we do is unimportant to God, but this is far from true. It's not that he just saves you and, and what you do from, from the day of your salvation is unimportant. What you do is important. It is critical. He has a plan for each and every one of us. When we make a decision to walk by faith, he reveals that walk to us step by step. And that pl plan always includes serving others, dedication to him. And he brings all that together to, to make a wonderful life for each and every one of us. God loved us so that we might love others. The whole purpose was that so everyone could know about God's love. And so when we receive those blessings, we need to make sure other people see those blessings. Um, when we talk about love and we talk about this idea of love and service, um, it goes hand in hand with what we just celebrated. You know, we just set aside a day of remembrance. We set aside this day where we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live this life of selfishness, right? <laughs> right? And we set aside a day to, to remember them. And um, I was there's a great uh, portal on the Internet uh, called the Anzac uh, Portal. And you can go on there and they just endless amounts of resources on that portal. I don't know if some of the students might have been there to do some work. Um, but they also share a lot of great stories, and they have letters, and they have different things. And I'm, I'm pouring through that on Anzac Day, just kind of trying to get a feel for what was in the life of these these men and women who went to, to battle, you know, for freedom and for this country. And I found this one particular letter that really, really impressed me. And uh, this particular soldier... Um, his parents were both missionaries and had spent many years in China. And they were deeply committed to their Christian values and their Christian way of life. And the mother writes him this letter. And she's very, very uh, concerned about his attitude and his behavior going into this particular war. And it's a completely different viewpoint than, than most people. And they even say that this on the Anzac portal, they go, this is a very interesting and rare letter because she's more concerned uh, with the way that he is serving others and being a blessing to others in the war than he is about actually the fighting process. Um, and I thought, man, that's a, that's a beautiful picture of being the way, Right of being different, of not concentrating on yourself, but concentrating on others. You want, to, want me to read it for you? It's a very neat little letter. Um, addressed to Henley Beach, December 10th, 1917. My darling boy, uh, your happiness and goodness are what Father and I most crave for in this life, and we have ever sought 
as far as it lay in our power and by our prayers and secure these for you. We cannot deny your request to be allowed to enlist on this, your 18th birthday, though. Um, We wish you had been older and more experienced in the ways of the world before going into camps where you will be in contact with men and women of a very different type to your mother and father. (laughs) You see what she's saying there? (laughs) In a very delicate way, she's putting that. You will receive many a staggering shock, as I have done, by seeing those who make a profession of Christianity and of being good, but leading lives of sin secretly. That were it not for what we know of the power of God in our own lives, which makes sin of any description so utterly abhorrent, we would wonder if there were any who were real and good through and through. Whoever else fails you in life, dear, cling on to your faith in God. I can trust your father in any condition implicitly. I know he would always be true and would shield the weak and ignorant while the wiles of the wicked would not lure him. I want more than anything else to have the same confidence in my only boy. Treat every woman as you would wish to see your mother and sister treated, and never say a word to one you would not like to you would not like to be said by any man to either of us. You were made as pure as ever. It is possible for your parents to have pure children, and now it rests with you to keep pure and to hand on the hand on to the world if God spares you pure children of your own. Live the life you would like your children to live. In the midst of wars, (laughs) she's encouraged him to be a man of character, to be a man of integrity, to be a man of purity. I want you to promise (laughs) never to let the first drop of intoxicating liquor over your lips. (laughs) then I know you will never become a drunken sot. Drink in a man's, drink in a man's makes him pray to every passion and weakness. It weakens him in the fight for this life. I would like, too, that you would leave smoking alone as well. <laughs> a man needs this no more than a woman. It is a habit and not a need. This last paragraph is very, very interesting and and very much of a blessing. Keep yourself fit in every way to be a good soldier, and God make you a blessing to the boys who will be around you. It will strengthen you to try and help them. Isn't that interesting? It will strengthen you to try and help them. In other words, you will gain strength for helping the the boys around you. Take your stand as an out-and-out Christian from the very beginning. You will be upheld by the love and prayers of the wee band at home. God bless you, your loving mother. You see, it's this idea of 
there's an expectation of us to bless others, to impact this world, to be different to the world. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you actually for the next 30 days. This is your challenge. I want all of you who have any kind of social media, okay? I know your hearts are pumping. Yeah. Aaron's, Aaron's saying, yes, he doesn't have any social media. so <laughs> It's going to be the easiest one for him ever. But I want over the next 30 days, the, the whole month of May, I want this to be um, a challenge for you to really start to incorporate this particular life principle in your life. I want every post to be about someone else and not about you. Every single post, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's something else, I want your post to be about something other than you. Try and bless other people. Make it a selfless May. You can even hashtag it. It's my hashtag. Selfless May. Okay, hashtag selfless May. Okay, or you can do North Lake selfless May, whatever, whatever you want. But I want you to do that because every time you post, you will be thinking about this life principle and how it affects you and how it may affect the other people around you. If we want the church to grow, if we want the people around us to grow closer to God and to become more uh, more interested in who God is, we have to start practicing this principle. It's not all about us. It's about how we can impact those people around us with the blessings that we have. Okay, does that make sense? Selfless May. Okay, hashtag selfless May. Every time that you post something, remember, is this about somebody else? Is this encouraging somebody else? Is this blessing someone else? Making sure that, that we're not emphasizing ourselves. Okay. Frankly, I've seen too many of these photos. <laughs> you know, I've seen too many of those. Okay. Everybody posts those. I got to tell you, we've got people who post not just weird stuff about their face, but their body shots. You know, the, 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 yeah, it's, if you ever get into it, it's not a good situation out there in, in computer land. It's not, uh, it's not good. So, but I, I bet you, I bet you if you do this every day for the next 30 days of May, you will impact the people that follow you because they'll see what? Something's changed here. Why are you only talking about other people? Why are you posting to bless other people? Why, why are you doing that? That's, that's a different way, isn't it? That's a different way of, of doing it might open up some opportunities for you to actually talk to other people, maybe explain the kind of change and, and the, the kind of things, the molding that God is doing in your life. Maybe that it will help them as well. Be confident. Be courageous. 
Stand up. Stand up and make a change. Make it a change for the good. And I know every time you do something like that, God will bless it. He will bless it. So remember, God's blessings, they're not just for us. They're actually not really for us at all. God's blessing is so that we might bless other people. Critical life principle that if we don't get a handle on, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on what God can do through the wonderful things that he gives to you each and every day. So let's pray. We'll do some uh, eating of calories and uh, then we can get on with our days. Hey, God, thank you. Thank you for teaching us and guiding us through this principle. Uh, I know it's really, really hard, but um, you only have to, to look at the news, God, to see that we live in a world that is concentrated on self. Help us to be selfless. And Lord, as we put into practice uh, this principle and this challenge this week, give us give us uh, boldness and courage uh, to do this challenge this month, to really, uh, to really let the world know that we are not about ourselves, that we are, we are about loving other people and pouring into their lives and blessing them with the blessings that you give us. We know that when we do that, you bless us even more. So we're so thankful the way that you interact with us, the way that you love us, the way that you give us grace and mercy, even though that we don't deserve it. Um, go with us through this week and give us that uh, extra measure of, uh, of strength and grace and mercy as we live through this week. Um, guide and direct us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.